analogies to teach new believers about the Christian life. Our text this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. Uh, we didn't get that printed in the bulletin, but if you have your Bibles with you, Hebrews chapter 12. And there we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is God's word. The letter to the Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who were located somewhere in the Roman Empire, perhaps Rome itself. These believers had come to faith through the preaching of the apostles, but because of their new way of life, they were rejected and persecuted by the Jewish communities that they had belonged to. The author of Hebrews is not identified anywhere in the text of the letter, but it doesn't matter who the writer was. This person was conveying a message that the Holy Spirit wanted these suffering believers to hear. These words of encouragement for the Christian life remain relevant for us today. As we consider this text and others related to it, we're going to examine what the race is. We're going to take a look at some of the rules for this race, and we're going to be reminded about the prize for winning the race. Let's first think about what this race is. The writer is talking about the Christian life. He is using an analogy that Paul, the Apostle Paul often used. In his final letter to Timothy, Paul writes, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. In our passage today we read, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Christian life is not a sprint. It is not a nice easy jog in the park. It is a marathon. A marathon race includes heat and rain, hills and mud, cramps and thirst. The Greek word used here for race is agona. It could also be translated as conflict or struggle. Let us run with endurance the struggle that is set before us. The first recipients of this letter had already discovered that the Christian life is a struggle. To remind them that this was not unique to the newly established churches, the writer of this letter had just finished describing in chapter 11 the lives of the Old Testament saints, men and women like Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, and many others who had responded to God's invitation to trust in Him despite the cost to their security and well-being. Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to as the Hall of Faith. These were names and stories that were very familiar to these believers who had been raised in Jewish households. Many of you have encountered struggles in your lives. The untimely death of loved ones, broken relationships that seem to have little hope of restoration, a job that has too many demands and not enough reward. We are not promised an easy life when we place our trust in God. Nevertheless, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Two things we need to notice in this phrase. First, this life is not a series of random events with no end goal. 
It is a life that is set before us. I recall the cartoon image that our brother Peter Flyer used in a message that he preached this past spring, showing Prince Philip stepping off of the road of life as his wife, Queen Elizabeth, marched on. Most people understand that life is a journey with many unexpected twists and turns. But far too many people don't realize that there is a destination. There is a purpose to this life. God, our Father, has invited us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross to join his family and to find purpose in life. Every event that happens in our lives has been ordained by God, all to draw us closer to him in our journey through life. So the race is not random. It is a path that is set out before us by our loving Father. Notice also that we are to run this race with endurance. The Greek word translated here as endurance is hupomoni, which does not mean a stoic acceptance of the hard things in life, such as, I'll endure this boring conversation because it will be over soon, but rather it means the determination to move forward to continue to strive to improve, to work through the difficulties of life with hope. The kind of endurance described in this verse is not passive, it is active. It calls us to action. Well, once we come to understand that we need to live our lives with purpose, how do we go about doing that? What are some of the rules for this race of life? The first requirement is that we need to be willing to be trained. Listen to the Apostle Paul's instructions to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run, that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let me just say here that Paul is not suggesting that a believer can lose his or her salvation through disobedience. Rather, he is talking about the lost opportunity to be an effective witness for Christ. How does a person grow in self-control? How does one develop the inner strength to move forward in difficult times? The Olympic athlete puts in many hours of strength and fitness training. Although I really enjoy sports, I have never been an athlete. When I was in high school, I was short and much skinnier than I am now. Phys ed class was a challenge for me. One two-week segment of phys ed involved training in gymnastics. We were encouraged to try to learn a few moves on each of the different types of apparatus. The still rings apparatus consists of two rings hanging from ropes above. I'll picture it for you. The athlete jumps up and grabs the rings and he tries to do a, a few lifts and somersaults and swings. My routine looked like this. And that's it. <laughs> Needless to say, the phys ed teacher was not impressed. I think I got a D for effort. Because I understand how hard it is, I've always appreciated the beauty of a gymnast 
who has mastered the iron cross maneuver. On the rings, the athlete slowly lowers himself into position with arms spread wide and attempts to hold himself in this position with no swinging for eight to 10 seconds. The element requires tremendous strength and body control. It takes years of training and, and fitness to be able to do that move. This gymnastic technique points me to another far more important image, the image of my Savior, Jesus Christ, offering himself for me as he allowed his arms to be outstretched on a Roman cross. None of us could possibly understand the physical, mental, and spiritual suffering that Jesus endured. And he endured it without complaint and without retaliation. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Where did Jesus' tremendous soul strength come from? Did Jesus simply have this strength because he is divine, because he's God? Or was this something that had to be developed in his life? I think it was some of both. We read in the gospel accounts that Jesus spent a lot of time in the spiritual disciplines, preparing himself for his ministry and for his death on the cross. Jesus began studying scriptures at an early age, how many 12-year-olds on a trip to the big city with their family would go to the temple to study with the rabbis? Jesus always made time for prayer. Indeed, going to the garden to pray right before his arrest. And Jesus spent much time in fellowship with his disciples, giving and receiving encouragement. All of these disciplines, Bible study, prayer, Christian fellowship, are available to you and I to train and strengthen our souls for the race of life that is set before us. So friends, let's renew our commitment to these disciplines of the Christian life. Some of you may be thinking, that's not so easy. You already have a lot of commitments in life. Work, family time, extended family, school studies, sports. Well, that's another aspect of the preparation that we are called to in our passage today. The writer says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run. We can all understand the need to identify and put off sinful behaviors in our lives, things that separate us from God, but the writer here is saying lay aside every weight. The athlete seeking optimum performance discards anything that might hinder that performance. In the ancient Greek Olympics, that meant almost all competitors competed in the nude. In modern-day athletics, I'm reminded of swimmers who will do a pre-competition shave-down, removing all body hair. I was skeptical that shaving your hairy legs could increase your speed in the water, so I looked it up. Studies have shown a 3 to 4% improvement in performance. And for the elite athlete, that makes a big difference. All of us make choices in life. We decide what activities to spend our time on, what field of study to go into, what job to apply for, which person to date and eventually marry. All of these choices are necessary and important parts of life, but sometimes our choices pull us away from God and a life lived for Him. We need to be able to identify these and consider how to make changes. Does your job keep you from attending worship on a regular basis? 
Is your daily schedule so full of activities that you have no time or energy left to read God's Word? Are your family gatherings and vacations opportunities to encourage each other in the Lord? Or does the Lord's name not get mentioned? Does your field of study discount biblical concepts as outdated and simply wrong? In each of these areas, you have choices to make about how you will run the race of life. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The most important aspect of this text is the purpose of the race. What is the prize that you are striving for in life? What is your purpose? Our text began with the words, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, is that your reason for living the Christian life? Many athletes compete simply to receive the adulation of the crowd. Sadly, for this year's Olympics, there will only be a handful of spectators as the nation of Japan continues to wrestle with the effects of the COVID virus. But you've all seen the images and videos of the crowd cheering as the champions are crowned. And perhaps that is what you imagine as you hear the phrase, surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. I have heard many athletes, indeed anyone who is receiving some kind of recognition, referring to a loved one that has passed away and feeling that this person is smiling down on them from heaven. But the idea of loved ones cheering us on in life is not what this phrase means. The Greek word for witnesses in the term cloud of witnesses, used, the Greek word used here is martyrs, from which our word martyr comes from. The witnessing that the writer is talking about is not these saints of the Old Testament watching us. Rather, it is the witness of their lives to the faithfulness and trustworthiness of the God whom they had given their lives to. The writer is saying, look at what these people experienced and how God used them and blessed them. Now let us do the same. If we are living the Christian life for the approval of others, and that's a trap that is easily fallen into, I can certainly identify for myself that you want people to think well of you. If we're living our life for the approval of others, for a good reputation, as our friend Andrew referred to last week, then we will not find the strength to live our lives with endurance because our friends and family are finite human beings and they will inevitably disappoint us if we rely on them to build us up. Our hope in life, the reason for living, is identified in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Life with our Savior Jesus is the prize. That is our motivation and purpose. We can look forward to perfect unity with God the Father, perfect harmony with our brothers and sisters in God's family, no more struggle with sin and sickness and death. But there is something that we need to understand about this prize of eternal life. All of our striving and effort, all of our scripture reading and prayer and doing good unto others, none of it will earn us this prize. Indeed, Paul wrote in the passage we read earlier, you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. The good news of the gospel is that this race of life that we are running has already been won. Jesus is the one 
who lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death for our failures and then conquered sin and death forever as he rose again on the third day. Jesus then received the crown of glory and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And the marvelous news for us is that Jesus shares his crown of righteousness with all those who come to him in repentance and faith. As we run the course of the life that has been set out for us, we can run with the joy and strength that Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, is giving us through the workings of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 2, we read in verse 12, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. That sounds like striving on our part. That sounds like, you got this. But then verse 13 adds, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. It's not us that have it. It's God that has our lives in His hand. Most of you have heard the quote attributed to the Scottish runner Eric Liddell, When I run, I feel God's pleasure. May it be said of each one of us that when we fill in the blank, whatever activity you are called to in life, when we do that, we will feel God's pleasure. Perhaps some of you who are hearing this message today have not yet decided that Jesus Christ is the purpose for, for is your purpose in life. I would invite you to consider him the champion of life, the founder and perfecter of faith, and to place your trust in him. Jesus does not promise you an easy and prosperous journey in this life, but he promises to run the race with you, a race that he has already successfully completed, so that at the end of your time on this earth you will meet him in person and discover that your journey is not finished but has only just begun. If you'd like to learn more, contact Peter or myself, and we'll gladly help you in any way that we can. I close this morning with the wonderful words of assurance that are found at the end of Isaiah chapter 40. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We serve a risen Savior. May each day of our journey be full of joy and hope. Let's pray.